verses 1 through 16. The Bible says, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his, sup in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. Now let me just stop there and draw your attention to verse 53 of the last, the last verse in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter uh, 22 and verse 53, because this gives you an idea about this fellow Ahaziah, Ahab's son. So it says that he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel according to all that his father had done. So in other words, Ahaziah, uh, the nut didn't fall far from the tree when it came to him and his father Ahab. They were of the same cloth there. So I'm going to start again in verse 2. So Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and he said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed in which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he that came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to meet him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill and spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And again, he also sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus saith the king, come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Well, he sent unto him a captain the third fifty with his fifty. How would you like to be this guy? A huh? third guy going, he's already seen a hundred guys burned up. Well, this guy's a little bit more sensitive. And the third captain of fifty went up and came down and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. 
Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him. Be not afraid of him. He arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And so he died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. And the rest of the acts of Ahazi, which he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd bless this Bible study this morning. Speak to our hearts through your word and by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you just draw each of us closer as we study this section of the scripture and glean these truths and make application to our lives. We pray for the classes taking place downstairs, that you would bless those classes and those teaching. We also pray that you would bless the morning worship service and the junior church hour that all today would be done to bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, look on your handout, if you would. So this will be one of the, the final, really, act in the ministry of Elijah that's recorded in the Bible. And so Ahab has died. He died in the previous chapter. And uh, his son, Ahazi, had taken his place upon the throne of Israel. Jezebel has yet to meet her fate, as predicted by Elijah, but her day would soon be coming. Ahazi is injured in a fall physically, but his reaction to the accident will lead him to a spiritual fall as well. I guess we could say he had already fallen spiritually. But it was an opportunity, actually, for him to take a step in the right direction, and he missed that opportunity. Uh, his mother Jezebel had been successful in convincing her son to depart from the God of Israel and set his affection upon Beelzebub, who was the God of Ekron. Beelzebub, by the way, it means the God of the flies, or the Lord of the flies, who was considered uh, in Baal worship the patron deity of medicine. That would be Dr. Fauci. Oh, no, I shouldn't have said that today. But, uh, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyhow, let's move on. All right. <laughs> so, anyhow, so you understand what's happened here. You understand that uh, this, this son of Ahab, he's wicked, and um, he falls through the lattice, and God is upset. You know, God, as we've read through the life of Elijah, and how would you like to be Elijah? Really, every time there's an issue... God sends Elijah to deal with all of these issues. These aren't easy things to, he's got to confront. You know, confrontation is never easy. But Elijah is called time and time and time again to confront. And now he's going to confront this king, uh, Ahazi, and, um, and deal with, with him. And just so that, just, so some of you might not understand, at this time in Israel, there's really two nations. There's the nation of Judah, and then there's the nation of Israel. And so you have different kings. Like in the previous chapter, you would have seen the king Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah when Ahab was the king of Israel. 
So you have 10 of the tribes that make up the northern kingdom and two of the tribes that make up uh, the southern kingdom. But uh, so, uh, and by the way, too, just before I forget, if you went to the Gospel of Matthew, you'd find there that the Pharisees accused Jesus and his the, the ability to heal of being, um, uh, they mentioned Beelzebub in Matthew, I think it's chapter 12, and uh, I forget which, which verse there, but they had mentioned, they, or they attacked Jesus, they criticized him. Well, it must be because he's of the spirit of Beelzebub, the, the prince of the demons. So this, this what we're, we're reading here, has, is taking place like, you know, a thousand years before that. And so you find this, and we'll see something else later on in the study this morning, how this incident that we're going to talk about comes up with the disciples. But we'll get to that later, kind of getting ahead of myself. And it's interesting here, this, this how God works, because Ahazi is going to die through an accident that takes place. His father, Ahab, was killed by a random arrow in battle. And again, just real quickly, if we had gone back to the previous to the previous chapter, we would find that there was, um, in, in, um, at Ramoth-Gilead, there's a battle that takes place there. And the Syrians had attacked, and Jehoshaphat, the king of the south, and Ahab, the king of the north, uh, Ahab convinces Jehoshaphat to go to war with him together and fight against them. And uh, when the battle takes place, I, I can, this is one of the great questions I have for Jehoshaphat when I get to heaven, is Ahab convinces Jehoshaphat. He says, listen, we're going to go to battle. But this is what I want you to do. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to get, um, I'm not going to wear my royal robes. I'm going to kind of be in disguise so they don't know that I'm the king. But you dress in your royal robes. And Jehoshaphat goes along with it. And so the battle takes place, and, and the opposing army, they say, listen, don't even fight with the men. Go right for the king. Try to kill the king. And so they go, they see Jehoshaphat. So they go after Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, he cries unto God, and God spares his life. But Ahab, it says there's just a random arrow. that We don't even know who it was. Some sh soldier just shoots the arrow and kills Ahab. And uh, that's how Ahab met his fate. So it's kind of interesting. Ahab is killed by a random arrow, and Ahazi meets his fate by a random accident, but God was going to bring judgment upon both of these guys, and God can do it, I guess, any way that God would like to do it. Amen? And so that's what, that's what happens here. But the issue, issue is, so he falls down, he gets sick, and he says, that he wants for them um, to go and inquire of Beelzebub, of Ekron, whether he's going to recover of this disease. And um, so there's no point in doing that because Beelzebub is not going to recover anybody of anybody's disease. It's uh, demonic forces. And uh, so Elijah uh, is used of God to go and to confront him. And he asks that question back three times. In fact, if you read through the life of Elijah, you notice a lot of times the question or the, you know, is there not a cause or uh, is there not a God? It's repeated, kind of emphasizing. 
And so that's three times in the text that we read. Is, is it because there's not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? And um, so that's what we have here. And um, you would think, as we get into this, that Ahazi's response would have, would have been different, but it goes to show you the hardness and the callousness of someone's heart when they just reject the one true living God. Um, I mean, Ahazi, either he was very young or, or maybe not that young when uh, Elijah was on Mount Carmel and took on the 50, 450 prophets of Baal and, rain, and fire rained down from heaven. He would have known that. Um, but it doesn't seem to matter to him. So number one on your handout, we learn some things here with regards to this, and we're reminded that the Bible teaches us that God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. And uh, we often think of the word jealousy in a negative um, way, but in this aspect of it, it's positive. Like uh, a husband would be jealous over his wife in the positive way, like you would care for her, you would protect her, you would watch over her. Um, and that's the idea here with regards to God. He's a jealous God. Um, on your handout, you notice the Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14, when God gave the law, God said this, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Ahazi, he's just rejecting. He, he's been, Elijah's been sent. Elijah has been sent. Last week we talked about the word of God. Elijah has been sent to reprove Ahazi of what he's doing. Um, and that's what the word of God does. That's what the prophet of God does. Not only then, but it, it for you and I today, we talked about that last week. We read through the scriptures, and and um, the scriptures guide us and direct us, and, and they teach us. But um, and Elijah has been sent. But Ahazi, he he doesn't inquire. Uh, he consults with the devil. Really, uh, he might not have thought of it in that um, in light of that. But that's. That's really what he was doing. And uh, really when you think, you know, I've often said in, in all my years of ministry that we know that sin is what condemns us. Uh, we're, we're, we're sinners. We're condemned. We're on our way to hell. And that's why we need to be saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we could sit here and we could name certain sins, you know, that the Bible talks about that are wrong. But I've often said that the greatest hindrance to a, a man or woman or boy or girl coming to know Christ as their Savior are false religions. Not a specific sin like drunkenness or, you know, like I said, you could go right down through the list. Just false religions. So in reality, every false religion uh, is a religion that's empowered by Beelzebub. That's just the way it is. That's really, the Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity. 
Um, and that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter what the religion is. And sometimes, you know, Satan is not foolish. Sometimes, well, I read this by, um, I read this in a book some years ago, and I think there's some truth to this. So if you took the world's major religions, and a lot of people have this argument, they'll say, well, you know, really all the major religions of the world, they're, they're, they're similar. And to some degree, on the very surface of those religions, they teach positive things. How you treat people, so on and so forth, to, to a degree. But it's not until, and, and most, most scholars of the different religions would agree with this, but once you start to get down further and further and further to what the religion actually believes, that's where the differences come in. Come in. And that's the distinctive factor about Christianity. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven, and we know that, amen? And that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But that's often what people say. Well, there are many different roads that lead to heaven, and, and, and they'll cite different things about what this religion teaches and what this religion teaches. And these could be positive things. They might even be good things. They're probably things we would agree with. But once you get down to how is your sin paid for it, it's only paid through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And, uh, but but, but uh, here in our text, God's a jealous God. God, God cares for us. And, uh, but there's a practical lesson here for you and I to be careful of, and that's you know, with regards to uh, how Ahab rejects when he rejects the one true living God, he rejects the word of the one true living God. So we should be careful where we get our advice from. We should be careful of where we get our direction from and how we make our choices. And make sure that all of these things are all in line with thus saith the Lord. Amen? And so that's just truth from God's, God's word. Uh, the scriptures say the arm of flesh will fail you. And so even our own thinking sometimes, we need to be cautious about, uh, you know, Paul said in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And uh, making sure that our own thinking lines up with what does the scriptures teach us and what do the scriptures say. So just a couple of sub-points here. Believers, well, we ought to please him. We ought to try to please him. I forgot who wrote this quote, but I wrote it down, and they said this, this shows in a most expressive manner the love of God to his people. He felt for them as the most affectionate husband could do for his spouse, and was jealous for their fidelity, because he willed their invariable happiness. The reality is that God wants the very best for all of us, and we should be thankful for that. And, and uh, sometimes the Lord has, because he loves us, he has to chastise us, but, and we should be thankful for that as well. But you and I, we ought to endeavor to please the Lord with our lives. And um, that is all part of the decisions and the directions that we go in life. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this. He's quoting, he said, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So he's speaking to the church in Corinth, but he speaks about the church, the body of believers, 
We, we, he is, Jesus is the husband and we are the bride. And he's jealous over us. He wants the best for us. He wants to protect us. And um, we ought to be thankful for that and desire in our lives to please him by following his word and the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. But is there not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore saith the Lord, thou shalt not come down from that bed in which thou art gone up, but thou shalt die. And Elijah, he departed. So the second point, obviously, if you don't follow him, uh, unbelievers displease him. Um, Isaiah said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So here, here is, uh, is Ahazi, he is going to a graven image to get his advice. And I thought of this earlier this morning when I was kind of reviewing my notes here, and I think we all would understand that people who don't know the Lord, they don't really care about pleasing the Lord. But my sub-point is really this, and maybe I shouldn't have said unbelievers displease him, but unbelief, displease, unbelief is displeasing to the Lord. Meaning that you and I, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we're believers. Amen? But isn't it possible for a believer to exercise unbelief? Right? So maybe... You could give me an example of a Bible character, somebody in the Bible who was a believer, but they displayed unbelief at a point in their life. And it's recorded in the scriptures. Huh? Jonah. Okay? God told him to do one thing, Jonah did something else. So he took, he didn't follow the Lord. He displeased the Lord. What else? Who else? David, yeah. David, obviously with Bathsheba, and, and uh, he displayed... Uh, wrong character there. What else? Who else? Abraham. Yeah, Abraham. Abraham on a number of occasions. You know, there was a famine and, and Abraham decided to go down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. He went down. And Abraham is the father of our faith. So a Abraham is our, you know, the example. In fact, I'm reading this book um, uh, about Abraham and the friend of God. And really, the author said this, and I thought this was really good. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was reading the book yesterday afternoon. That Abraham, really, in the Old Testament, is the first person that God really wants to develop a relationship with. Um, it's not that God didn't have relationships prior to that. But you see that God desires to, be, um, to walk with Abraham and to... And it's all laid out for us there. It's kind of a pattern that's laid out for us. But Abraham, who believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, there were times that he displayed disbelief. Going to Egypt, or telling the Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister and not his wife, and didn't trust God. Um, so... As I thought about that, I just thought how important it is for all of our decisions and choices in life, make sure that God is in it. And um, really, that's the challenge here to Ahazi. What do you mean? What are you, what are you going to Ekron for? There's a God in Samaria. 
You've got to go to this God that's in Samaria. In fact, you would have seen him and you've already seen him work. But Ahazi had a cold and hard heart and um, he wasn't going to do that. But God's a jealous God and uh, we should desire to please him in all that we do. Amen? But secondly, in the back of your handout, we're reminded that our God's a judicial God. And so pick it up in verse 5. And when the messengers returned back unto him, he said unto them, why are you now turned back? So they said, well, this guy, this man met us and said, go back and, and tell, uh, tell him. He asked us, isn't there a God in Israel? And then I think Ahazi pretty much knew who this was because he said, well, describe the man to me. Who is this guy? And, um, you know, the description is given in verse 8. And uh, he's a hairy man, girt with a girdle of leather in his loins. It's Elijah the Tishbite. I mean, he knew right off who it was. And um, uh, he was probably like his father. Ugh. Remember, remember that uh, Ahab said, Are you, you're the one that troubles Israel. And Elijah said, no, 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 you're the one that troubles Israel. And um, God's going to bring justice here because God's a judicial God. Um, so, so Ahazi thinks he's still got this all under control here. So the king sends him in verse 9, these, these 50. And this wasn't an invitation to come. This was like a warrant. This was like sending the... Sending the um, if he really thought he was a man of God, uh, he really wouldn't have had to send 50 soldiers to fetch him home. All right, so this isn't an invitation. It's a warrant that's been sent for it, really, to arrest him, basically. So on my handout, I wrote, they either spoke derisively, believing him to be a no true prophet, or regarding him as a true prophet. The summons to him to surrender himself bound uh, to the king was just really a more flagrant insult. So the, the wrath of God is revealed here in verses 9 through 12. Deuteronomy says, for the Lord God is a consuming fire. A jealous God, one who is greatly displeased with those who give to others what is due only to himself. And if they do not repent, he will destroy them. And again, you would have think that Ahazi would have been influenced by what he had seen. Uh, what had happened on Mount Carmel. In fact, some believe, they did some reading, some believe that's where Elijah is. He's on top of Mount Carmel, and they're fetching him down off the mountain. But also in this text where we see the wrath of God, we also see the mercy of God. Because when the third group comes, and the third man comes in verse 13, he sent a captain of the, uh, uh, another 50, and uh, you have to wonder, you know, Ahazi must have thought that life was cheap. He's, he's already seen 100 men destroyed. But that's the nature of stubbornness and of sin. He's just going to do his own thing. He doesn't care who it hurts and who it harms. But this third captain, uh, he falls before Elijah. I think perhaps this third captain, he thought that this was really a man of God. And, um, oh, man of God, he says, in the middle of the verse, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thy sight. And um, the angel of the Lord says to Elijah, go ahead, you go down, you go down with him. And um, 
it just kind of shows you the spirit. We're reminded of the spirit of God, that God is a judicial God, but God is also a merciful God. In fact, let me just read you this verse. You don't need to turn there for sake of time, but way back when the temple was being built, Solomon was building the temple. Listen to what was said then in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 23, or verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or in earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. So we're reminded that God, we see here the justice of God, the judicial aspect of God, but we also see the merciful aspect of God. First Thessalonians reminds us, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord. Or 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom raised whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So, um, Elijah comes and he confronts Ahazi, and uh, verse 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there's a god, no god in Israel, to inquire of his word? So we see the third time, why haven't you inquired of his word? Why haven't you followed the scripture? Why haven't you, therefore thou shalt not come off down off that bed. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And sometimes that could be physical death. Sometimes it could be the death of a relationship, it could be the death of any number of things. But God's word, the importance of following God's word, it's not to be taken lightly. Now, keep your finger here. I think we'll come back, but I want you to see something in the New Testament, Luke chapter 9. Because in Luke chapter 9, this incident that we just talked about comes up with the disciples. Luke chapter 9. And pick it up in verse number... Oh... Pick it up in verse number 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they, and remember, what did Elijah say? Elijah said, is there not a God in Samaria? And so he sends them into this village to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his, now, so what's the meaning of that? His face was as he's going to go to Jerusalem. So here's the deal. There was a conflict between the Samaritans and, um, and the Jews. The, these, the Jews believed that you worship God in Jerusalem. And um, the uh, Samaritans believed that you worshiped God. They had a temple in sight near, near Sychar. So when it says his face was toward Jerusalem, they were upset because Jesus would teach, no, no, we, you go to Jerusalem to worship. So that was part of the conflict. And you know the story of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan, and uh, she was just amazed that Jesus would even talk to her. So there's a conflict between these two people. 
And so there they are, though, and Jesus is there in Samaria. Verse 52, And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? Or Elias here, but it's Elijah. And look at, their, look at Jesus' reaction. So, so you get what's happening here. The disciples are thinking back to the Old Testament. And they're upset that they're not receiving Jesus. And I guess to some degree, give them credit, we should be upset to some degree when people don't receive Jesus. But not to the point where they said, let's kill these people. And uh, that's basically what they said. Lord, without command, fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did. And he turned, Jesus did, and he rebuked them and said, you know, not ma- you know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So that's interesting. Now, Elijah, when Elijah called down heaven, it was for God's glory. In a sense, the disciples want to call down God's fire to defend their own reputation. How dare they not receive us? It's really, in my mind, it's a picture of the Old Testament of the law and the New Testament of the grace of God. And how we are called not to destroy men's lives, but to point them to Jesus Christ. So, I've already mentioned about false religions, and I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out the fact that the false religions of the world are empowered really demonically. But our job is then to take the Lord Jesus Christ and to present them to people who are lost and blinded by a false religion. Amen? Not to call down fire for God to destroy them. And that's because that's really what the disciples wanted to have done here. And um, Jesus said, you know not what spirit you are. There was a spirit of bigotry within the hearts of the disciples. These are Samaritans. I mean, even back in John, they couldn't believe Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. And Jesus is trying to point, point out, I believe he's trying to point out to you and I, listen, it doesn't matter who the person is. These are people. They need to hear about the love of Christ. I mean, we have missionaries in Myanmar right now taking the gospel to Buddhist people and trying to show them the truth of God's word. Or you think of famous missionaries of yesteryear um, and, and even some more contemporary. But just, just in my mind, Jim Elliott came and Nate Saint and trying to bring the gospel to the Aka Indians in Ecuador and they were, they were martyred for the faith. And it, it was... I think it was Nate Sate's sister, and then Elizabeth Elliot, who went back in and brought the gospel to people who killed their loved ones. Um, when, um, you know, the attitude, the fleshly attitude would be, well, let them all die and go to hell. Look what they did. Let them all die and go to hell. But that's not the spirit of, of the age in which we live. And the reality is there are many people who are going to reject Jesus and they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. But our attitude 
ought to be to win as many to Christ and to present the gospel to people as we can. God is a just God. Let me just finish quickly here. I just wanted to show you that. We don't even need to turn back. But just a reminder that, listen, God is a just God. He requires it of mankind. You read that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 16, where it talks about the different officers. But God also reveals it in his nature. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. So we conclude three times God used Elijah to confront Ahazi and challenge him regarding where and to whom he's trusting. But never do we find him humbling himself before God and seeking repentance. Again, our desire ought to be to present the gospel to people and they, because the Holy, Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit convicts them and they humble themselves and accept Christ. He refused to believe the man of God and today there'll be people who will refuse. He refused to believe the message of God. And he refused to believe the manifestation of God. He saw the fire of God call down from heaven. So it's a challenge to us. Who are we trusting in? And what are we sensitive to regarding these issues in life? There's a God in heaven. He's given us, and we have so many advantages over yesteryear. We have the completed word of God. We have the scriptures that we can turn to. And just see, it's all laid out for us here. But let's make sure that when we're seeking direction in our lives and decisions and advice, uh, there's a God in heaven whom we can go to. Amen? And um, there's the scriptures that we can go to and our prayer life that we can go to uh, and make sure we're in line with what the word of God says. Let's pray. Lord, bless now the morning worship service. Let it truly bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, help us to uh, ha always have the spirit of Christ who came to seek and to save the lost. And uh, when we are dealing with people who are not believers, who reject the gospel, who maybe even are antagonistic to the gospel, that we would have the spirit of Christ, that we would, yes, defend your word, uh, but defend it in a way that expresses the love and the hope that Jesus taught us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.